If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. It's Friday, April 28th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. A good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, the president of the Philippines is heading to Washington, D.C. this weekend, and odds are he is going to be discussing a near miss yesterday between his Navy and China's Navy. I'm going to explain what happened and why an event just like this could be the spark that starts a global war. Second, we've got some intense fighting in the African country of Sudan this morning. I'm going to explain why you should care with a very specific focus on some deadly viruses that are being held inside a government laboratory that is under attack. Third, we've got some bad news and but mostly good news about the global energy revolution, specifically in the field of solar energy, because it turns out that the solution to the very unpredictable nature of solar power might just be in a simple stack of bricks. (laughs) Later, we close out the podcast with a note of celebration. All right, today's episode marks the end of our first month of The Right Report. I'll share with you some great news, plus why episodes as of late have been a touch uh, one or two hours late themselves, like yesterday. Don't worry, I'm on it. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. The president of the Philippines, a fellow named Ferdinand Marcus Jr., is flying to Washington, D.C. this weekend. He's going to be meeting with U.S. leaders at the White House and the Pentagon, where I can assure you he is going to be bringing up an episode from yesterday where a ship in his Navy was almost struck by a ship in China's Navy. And I'll tell you, if something like that happens again, folks, that event could lead to a war between the U.S. and China. So we are going to talk about what exactly happened yesterday and why the U.S. would likely feel compelled to aid the Philippines in response. So to best understand this brief, folks, you might want to get out a map on your phone or in your mind. And as you do, I want you to look for the Spratly Islands, right? They are southeast of Old Saigon, Vietnam, which is now known as Ho Chi Minh City. Now, ownership over the Spratleys is, well, hotly contested, right? They're claimed by at least the countries of Vietnam, Malaysia, China, and the Philippines. But amongst that group, folks, China has been the most aggressive in asserting claims, right? They have built military bases. They built ports on all sorts of islands and reefs. And they frequently chase away other nations from the area using very aggressive maneuvers with their Coast Guard and Navy. Well, yesterday, the Philippines had one of their small patrol boats out. They were actually giving a tour of the Spratlys and other islands in the South China Sea. In fact, they had with them a group of international journalists to take it all in. Well, during the tour, they were shadowed by at least four Chinese Navy and Coast Guard boats, largely without issue. But then, suddenly, yesterday morning, 
as the Philippine ship was heading towards a shoal, which is called the Second Thomas Shoal. That's where they have some marines stationed. Well, one of the Chinese naval vessels took a very sudden turn directly into the path of this Philippine ship. Well, the captain threw the engines into reverse, journalists fell to the ground, and by a whisker, at least according to one, the two ships avoided a collision. So here's why you should care about this. About 150 nautical miles, give or take, from where this happened, there's another island called Balabak. And it's on Balabak that the U.S. military is going to build an airbase Right, that's a part of a new agreement between the U.S. and the Philippines for nine new bases to be built on various islands, right? all of which either face the South China Sea to the west or Taiwan to the north. So that agreement, by the way, was announced about three weeks ago, and it is called the Enhanced Defense Cooperation Agreement, or EDCA. But as the president of the Philippines is now heading to Washington, D.C. this weekend, what he's looking for is something, frankly, beyond this EDCA. Right? What he's really looking for is a guarantee from Joe Biden and the Pentagon that in the event that China sinks one of its naval vessels, like almost happened yesterday, America will rush to his nation's defense. And if Mr. Biden agrees then folks, we're talking about the very real risk of a direct confrontation between Beijing and Washington, D.C. So what will Biden and the Pentagon say? We'll see. But consider this. The U.S. and the Philippines are wrapping up a joint exercise today with 17,000 armed services personnel. That is the largest ever between the two countries. And as a part of that joint exercise, folks, they practiced an attack and a sinking of a decommissioned warship. Huh, interesting. So let's see what the next week or so brings as President Marcos meets with folks in the White House. And I'll be honest with you, this one, folks, has my attention. And I will share details with you as I learn them. With that, let's move on to our second brief of the morning. And we're going to be leaving Asia, folks, and heading for Africa, landing in the capital city of Khartoum, Sudan. So if you've still got your maps out, you're going to find Sudan just south of Egypt and west of Saudi Arabia and the Red Sea. So by way of quick history, Sudan really is an interesting place. It is an ancient country with names like the Kingdom of Karma and Kush often associated with it. So too is the slave trade, actually, with slave traders from the Arab Peninsula and beyond using Sudan to transport slaves, horrifically, uh, for shipping these black Africans to Arab tribes and kingdoms. Now, for a time back in the 1800s, it was ruled by Egypt and then later by Britain. And finally, it achieved its own independent country status in 1956. But since then, well, it's been a bit of a wreck, right? We had a coup in 1989 that led to a military dictatorship under a guy named Omar al-Bashir. And he is a bad dude, folks. He encouraged all sorts of tribal warfare, ethnic genocide, and Islamic radicalism. In other words, Sudan has been a violent, tribal, religious mess for decades. And, well, some things never change. A little over a week ago, fighting broke out between two warring camps of the government. So on one side is the army chief. His name is Abdel Fattah al-Burhan. And on the other side is his deputy, a general. His name is Mohammed Hamdan Daglo. And he has got his own militia called the Rapid Support Forces, or RSF. 
Well, in the past week or so, they have launched uh, attacks and counterattacks against each other, forcing tens of thousands of people to flee for neighboring countries like the country of Chad. Meanwhile, Arab countries, oh boy, they're getting into the mix here. Egypt is backing one of those guys I just mentioned, while the United Arab Emirates, they're backing the other guy. Plus, you've got five other surrounding countries who are also sending in militaries and militias. Those include countries like Libya, Ethiopia, and the Central African Republic. But you know what? What war in Africa wouldn't be complete without the Russians? Yes, the Wagner Group. They've got guys in there fighting too. The point is, it's just a mess with one very bad thing that you need to know. So Sudan has a national laboratory that for some reason has samples of polio, measles, and COVID, amongst other things. According to the World Health Organization, that lab has been taken over by rebels. And nobody's sure of, well, the status of all those viruses and the related research. The WHO is calling it, folks, quote, an extremely, extremely dangerous situation, end quote. Hmm, okay. But what's unclear, my friends, is whether this situation is uniquely dangerous. In other words, what sort of research was being conducted there? And are we looking at weaponized versions of these viruses? Mm, well, as of this morning, we don't know. The WHO is, quote, seeking more information and conducting a risk assessment, end quote. Okay, that's nice. I don't know about you, but that statement does not leave me with great comfort. But regardless, those are the facts as of this morning. And I'm just going to offer you this analysis. The CIA and other intelligence services are undoubtedly scrambling to figure out what is in that lab and how to secure it. What I desperately hope is that we, the U.S. spies, have recruited agents inside the government. And hopefully that lab. But either way, we're looking for folks who can confirm what's going on and either secure those viruses in place, or we put together a team to infiltrate the lab and take it to a regional facility that we control. And by it, I'm talking about those viruses. So that's what I'm hoping, and I'm asking around about, actually. But no matter what, I'm going to be watching this one, and I will keep you posted. All right. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. Now, most of you likely aren't going to hear any ads for the next number of minutes, so enjoy the ad-free experience for now, and we will be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue our briefs this morning, and we're going to pivot away from bad news to good news. Well, okay, a little bit of bad news at first, but then a lot of good news. And it all has to do with the global energy revolution, right? As we all know, it's got societies shifting away from traditional fuels like oil, natural gas, and coal to what are best called harvested fuels, right? Like solar and wind, which are harvested, as it were, from the sky. So on the right report, I have covered this a lot because trillions of dollars are being injected into this new energy revolution. And it is going to change all of our lives, whether we like it or not. And unfortunately, as I have covered and will continue to cover, there is not a lot to like about this set of industries. For instance, we've got the use of slave and child labor in those solar panels that mostly come from China. We've also got global environmental damage that is caused by the mining for the batteries. 
Now, earlier this week, we talked about another dirty aspect of this green energy, and that is this. It's unreliable, right? The sun doesn't always shine and the wind doesn't always blow. And that is rather bad if you would like, say, your fridge or a factory to run, you know, all the time. But here's the thing. Sometimes this harvested energy, actually, well, there's too much of it. You know, say the sun is, well, too sunny or the wind blows too hard. And that's actually another problem, all right? You can have a bad harvest, as we talk a lot about, but you can also have a bumper harvest, right? And in the world of energy, a bumper harvest is actually a bad thing. Let me just give you one example. About two weeks ago, the European country of the Czech Republic had to unplug about 20% of its solar panels from the grid, right? That's about 400 megawatts of energy. And the reason was it was too sunny, Right? Those panels were generating too much energy and there wasn't enough demand. So grid operators had to disconnect the panels to avoid the rest of the grid and all the equipment from getting fried. The Czech Solar Association was not happy about that. They released a statement saying, quote, The Czech Republic is not ready for the renewable boom because there is a complete lack of storage capacity. End quote. All right, so what the association is trying to say here is this. When it's sunny out and nobody wants that solar power, there's nowhere to put that excess energy. Right? Ideally, though, it should get stored in some sort of battery system. Right? That way, at night, for instance, those batteries can unload all that excess stored energy. But as listeners know, that uh, well, the industrial-grade storage battery system, it doesn't exist, at least not at a low cost or the scale necessary. As grid operators like the NERC have reported, and I've shared with you all, right, those batteries by, say, a Tesla, right, they are very expensive and can only hold around four hours of juice, give or take a couple hours, depending on the system and demand. Okay, so that's the bad news, right? That's the problem. Well, there's one company tinkering with a very old idea, and it involves gravity and a whole bunch of bricks. <laughs> So here's how it works, as relayed by the folks at CNET Magazine. And, well, it's a very simple idea. What goes up must come down, right? That is the principle behind something called gravity batteries. So it, they come in different forms, but basically the idea is this. When there's excess, say, solar or wind power, well, instead of disconnecting that stuff from the grid, the excess power goes into a facility that raises something up into the air or up to higher ground. And then when demand increases, well, that something that was raised up in the air, well, gets slowly lowered down via gravity, right? And that process turns something like a generator, which generates electricity. So let me just give you an example of a gravity battery. In the city of Snyder, Texas, there is a Swiss company called Energy Vault that's building a very big building, a 460-foot-tall building where the bottom eight floors, well, there are some very big bricks made of dirt, water, and glue. And I'll tell you, by big bricks, I mean big, right? They're the size of a pickup truck, but they weigh about five times that, around 24 tons. So here's what happens. During the day, when there's excess solar power in Snyder, Texas, that power is piped into the building and it fuels a trolley and elevator system that takes each of those bricks from the lower eight floors to the upper eight floors. And then every night after the sun goes down, 
that automated trolley and elevator system? Well, the trolleys actually move each brick one by one to the elevator, which then uses gravity to slowly lower itself and those bricks all the way back down to the ground. So as these big bricks are being lowered, they turn power generators that are connected to the elevators, right? And that electricity that is generated in turn gets fed back onto the grid. So it's a fairly simple and kind of ingenious system. And there's one major benefit, right? There's no need for specialty batteries, just dirt bricks. And that means that there's no mining of specialty minerals like lithium or cobalt. There's no refining of those minerals either. Plus, there's something else that we know about batteries like lithium-ion batteries. Well, it, it's that they lose their charging power over time, so you have to throw them away or recycle them. But with dirt bricks, <laughs> those last forever, especially if they're inside these huge, tall buildings. So I should mention that this gravity principle can work with other systems beyond bricks, right? So let's take uh, water, right? If you've got a mountain, and you have a lower reservoir that's filled with water, and then an upper reservoir that's empty, well, you can use, say, your excess solar and wind power during the day, and you pump that water into the upper reservoir. And then at night, well, it comes back down through pipes, and it turns generators. All right, so overall, pretty ingenious. Uh, there is one issue I should tell you about. They tend to be a pretty expensive way to store energy, all right, especially at smaller scales. In fact, a U.S. Department of Energy study last year showed that these things can be a bit spendy. But that's why this gravity battery in Snyder, Texas is going big and tall, right? So the bigger the system, in other words, the more bricks and the taller the building, well, ultimately that means the cheaper the gravity battery is and so too the electricity. So all in all, I think it's a pretty darn interesting idea. Maybe, maybe this storage system is a part of the solution to the problem of energy harvesting. And so that's why I'm going to be keeping my eyes on this Snyder project and see what they learn from it. And as I learn things, I will share that with you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've done it again. A wonderful week, and we are concluding this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. So enjoy this next break, which will be ad-free for now. And we will be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. So today is a pretty darn special day. It marks the final episode of our first month of The Right Report. And so I wanted to give you all an update on how things are going. All right, and I want to start with something that you might not know. Right? When it comes to news podcasts, virtually every single one out there is backed by a media company. Right? They have big budgets, big staffs, and a very clear editorial direction by the management to either cover certain stories or avoid other ones. In other words, there's bias, right? But that's what makes The Right Report so rare, right? It's me, just me. I'm on my own. I have no corporate masters that I have to answer to. It's just you. I only have to answer to you. And that is why I love getting your emails and talking with you about how to make this show your show focused on value for your lives. And I've got some numbers, folks, some download numbers that say this is working out real good. We are now at 17,000 downloads a day, and we've got 45,000 unique listeners all around the world tuning in. 
So for a brand new podcast without a corporate media backer, whoo, that's incredible, truly. And I'm telling you, I take no credit for this because what's happening is that you all are telling people about the right report. You're doing it on Facebook or Twitter. Some of you are having lunch or dinner with friends and mentioning it. Although there's one listener, Riley in Prescott, Arizona. He did something pretty cool. He sent an email to his friends with a link to the podcast telling people to give it a listen. And I'm telling you, Riley, thank you that it was awesome. And I'll tell you, if you want to do what Riley did, so here's what I recommended to him. You can send people to podfollow.com, right? That's P-O-D-F-O-L-L-O-W.com, podfollow.com, right? You'll find the right report there and you will send a link from that website to people. It's super cool and very, very easy. But regardless, the word of mouth, it's happening and it's real and it's working, right? You all are fueling the success of this show. And so truly, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is powered by you. Thank you. I am so humbled, so grateful, and I'm very, very proud. All right. Now, as I have been emailing back and forth with so many of you for the past month, I've had a few consistent questions asked of me, three actually. So here's the first. Some folks want to subscribe to either help me pay the bills, which is so cool, or get an ad-free experience forever, right? And to let you know, subscriptions might happen down the road, but for now, I'm still working on finding companies and products that I'm excited about and I want you to know about. So I'm going to bring you those and their related ads in the next probably two to three weeks, give or take. Ah, and to the issue of subscriptions, if you were a subscriber to my last podcast and my former colleagues have not refunded you your money, I got a tip for you. Contact Apple directly and they will refund you your money immediately. Just a little FYI. Okay, the second question that I've gotten recently is that sometimes the podcast does not come out at 7 a.m. Eastern each day. And I am aware of this issue, especially with Spotify it is really frustrating, folks. Uh, sometimes the podcast appears to come out 30 minutes late, sometimes three hours late. And that's a big deal. So I don't know exactly what this issue is, specifically at Spotify, but they say they're working on it, whatever that means. So just know that if it continues, consider switching to other platforms like iHeart, Podbean, Overcast, or Stitcher. Which takes us to question number three that many of you have. What comes next for The Right Report? Some of you have had some great ideas for me. So let me tell you what I think is going to happen, and I think you're going to like it. So the number one request that I get from you guys is that you want sources, right? You want to read the primary sources that I'm pulling from to either share that information with friends and family, or you want to fact check me. And I love that. So right now, we are working on a daily newsletter that you can sign up for that'll have a, a script or a transcript of the show with links to all the sources that I use. And that's important to me. I want to give that to you all because, well, you're asking for it, but it's about value, right? You guys can go to lots of places to get the news, but if I can continue to, to you know, deliver value, boy, that's going to make your lives more informed and maybe a little bit better. All right, meanwhile, I'm going to share this with you too. It's kind of exciting. We're looking at launching an afternoon podcast later this summer where I go into further depth about issues that were raised in the morning briefs or I answer your questions about breaking news. 
I anticipate that it'll be around 25 minutes or so, similar to the morning show, which is good for an afternoon commute home. So, there you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, my friends, our first month of The Right Report is a success all around. Thank you once again for your loyalty and your support. Thank you for sharing The Right Report with your friends and family on social media and sometimes even sending this show via a link, via an email. Please keep doing that. Pretty amazing. It just means the world to me. So have a great weekend, ladies and gentlemen. More good things to come. And with that, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you on Monday, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.